0: Merry Christmas to you. If you're watching these this video on YouTube, well, these are the, the two little talks that we had on our Zoom service earlier this morning, and very much hope they're something for the whole family. So if you do have children, please do encourage them to watch as well. We are going to look at John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18, and we're going to do it over these two little talks. And first, we're going to look at the first and last verse, and the second, we're going to look at the middle ones. But let me read these verses for us. So John chapter one from verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side he has made him known. Do you see how John summarizes so wonderfully Jesus and Christmas in a uh, Christmas in verse fourteen? He says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. A few weeks ago, we saw from the first couple of verses that the Word is Jesus. And the Word was eternal. That is, he's always been there. And the Word was with God from the very beginning. And the Word was God. So Jesus, the Word, is, was God. And also we saw that absolutely everything that was made has been made through Jesus. So the earth, the stars, the sky, turkeys, Christmas puddings, Christmas trees. Absolutely everything that has been made was made through Jesus. And the message of Christmas is that the word Jesus God became flesh. He became a man. I don't know whether you have ever been camping. We've been a few times, good fun, um, for a short while at least. But you know, when, to make a tent is, is, is called to pitch a tent. And so you, you, you turn up and you pitch your tent, and then you live in that tent for a couple of days, maybe even a bit longer. But here's one for the grown-ups, because in John chapter 1, verse 14, that word for dwelt dwelt among us is the word for tabernacled, or he pitched his tent, he lived in a tent. Jesus, the word, became flesh, became a person, and he tabernacled, he lived in a tent among us. Now that's not literally to say that Jesus lived in a tent while on earth, although he may well have spent some nights under it in a tent but it is explaining that God came to live amongst people. In the Old Testament, as God's people were travelling from Egypt to the Promised Land, God commanded them that they would make a tabernacle, which was like a tent, that they would pack up and, and move and then unpack and set up again and then pack away as they moved and so forth. But when that tent was set, uh, set out, God, uh, in that tabernacle, God dwelt lived in that tent. And that was great. God, the, the, the one outside of the universe, in some sense had came to live in that tent. It was amazing. But also, in another sense, it wasn't really. Because normal people like you and me, we couldn't have got anywhere near the, the centre of that tent where God dwelt. That was only for some special priests. And even then, with very um, important rituals to do. But what we see here is a better than that tent, much better, because God didn't come to dwell in a tent, He came to dwell in a person, Jesus. And if you'd seen Jesus, and if you saw who He really was, but verse, verse 14 says, We have seen His glory, seeing Jesus. And seeing who he was would see his glory, his greatness. And then come and look again now just quickly at verse 18, where we find the same kind of ideas. It says, no one has ever seen God, the only, but the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. See, those who saw the tabernacle saw a tiny glimmer of God's greatness. And one time Moses, who who was commanded to set this up, Moses saw this incredible vision of God and who he was, his character. But even that was actually described just as like looking at the back of God's garments, his clothes. See, no one had seen God with their eyes fully until Jesus was born and he pitched his tent among us. Do you see what, again, right at the end of verse 18, he has made him known. So Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, when they looked at Jesus, they saw God. They saw God. Jesus the Word, God himself, became a man. And he pitched his tent this is absolutely amazing that God, the God who, through whom everything was made, became like one of this creation. He became a man so that we could know him, so that we could know God. So if you want to know God, if you want to know what he's like, we'll look at Jesus. In our Bibles, when we read of the things that Jesus did, we are reading of the things that God did. As we hear Jesus' words in the Bible, well, we are hearing God's words. Do you want to know what God is like? Well, then look at Jesus. And what is he like? Well, that comes in part two. So in part one, we saw that Jesus, the word, came and lived on earth. He became a man and he came to show us God. Well, what is God like? Well, what was Jesus like? Well, let's see. Come again and have a look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. And here's the key bit. Here is what the word is like. Full of grace and truth. People get to know God... By looking at Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we see grace and truth. Jesus is full of truth. That is, he is true. He is real. Indeed, he is more real than anything that we could see with our own eyes. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Uh, But the the emphasis in these verses, and so we're going to concentrate on, Jesus is full of grace. And so the first thing I want us to see from these verses, these words now, is that Jesus is full of grace. Grace is to show loving kindness to undeserving people. We say that again. Grace is to show loving kindness to undeserving people. And that is what Jesus was like. That is what God is like. His character, his nature, is to show loving kindness to people who don't deserve it. I want you to imagine. Imagine that Jesus were to give a Christmas present to every single person in the world, one each year, and that present would be on the basis of what you deserve. So, if you'd been really, really, really good all year, you'd get an amazing present. You get a, a bike, or a PlayStation, or a pony, even, or whatever it might be, whatever you would like. If you'd been quite good that year, well, then you would get you get something nice. You get kind of perhaps uh, one of your favourite books, or a tennis racket, something, or not uh, kit. But if you hadn't been very good, well, you might get a half-eaten apple. Well, this is the present that I got this year. It's quite big, so maybe I've been quite a good good person this year. Well, if this is the present that came from Jesus because of what I deserved, well let's let me find out what, what's in it? What did I get this year? I like opening presents. Do you open them really fast or do you go really slow? I'll do some bit of both. Ooh. Well. Box. Box is pretty big. Let me find out what I got in here. Oh. My box is empty. You see, actually, when it comes to Jesus, I deserve absolutely nothing. In fact, it's worse than that. It's not only that I don't deserve anything good from him, is that actually, I deserve to have everything good I have taken away. I deserve to be punished by him, because time and time again, I've forgotten him. Time and time again, I've decided to live my own way. You see, so if Jesus were to give me what I deserved, well, I'd get nothing from him, except punishment. But... We see here how wonderful it is of who Jesus is. Jesus isn't like that in terms of giving what deserves. No, Jesus is full of grace. He loves to show loving kindness. In fact, did you see uh, it, it again in, um, at the end of verse 14? It's not that uh, Jesus has a bit of grace and truth. no. It says, Jesus, full of grace and truth. Full. So I have a jug here that is, it is pretty pretty full, pretty full of water, and I've just got a bucket. But can you see what happens? As I, as I pour some of that water in the jug, there is now quite a lot less water in it. And eventually, if I keep pouring, it runs out entirely. It's now empty. That's what happens to things like jugs full of water, but not Jesus. Jesus is full. He is overflowing with grace. And that means it never runs out like that jug of water. You see, rather than thinking like a jug of water, think of a fountain. You know, a fountain that just has that water supply that keeps going. And so much, so much that it just continues to bubble over, bubble over, bubble over. Jesus is full of grace, absolutely full. So if he did give a Christmas present, well, actually, it would be the best one, even though I don't deserve it. But look, he doesn't give Christmas presents one every year, but he does give something better. You see, if our first point is that Jesus is full of grace, the second one is that Jesus gives grace. You see, God doesn't just want to show us what he's like. Okay, here's Jesus, here's God, he's full of grace and truth. No, he wants us to receive that grace too. Have a look at verse 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, Those same things again, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. He is full of grace and truth. He gives grace and truth. And again, not just a little, but a lot. Now glance back to verse 16. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. You see, his fullness overflows. From his fullness, all God's people have received grace upon grace. Okay, Switch. so with the water, kind of stop thinking about a jug, stop thinking about a fountain, and I now want you to think about the sea. Perhaps you've been to the seasides at some point. Uh, and when you've been at the sea, though, have you ever just seen one wave and then no more? Or maybe one wave, two waves, three waves, and then no more? Well, no, waves just keep going, keep going. Wave after wave... And this is what Jesus' grace is like. It is grace upon grace. It is wave after wave. That first wave of grace happens when uh, we are, when God helps us to see who Jesus really is. To see that we are undeserving of his kindness. To see that actually I don't deserve anything except God's punishment. But to see that he is full of grace. And that that grace led Jesus to come and become a man. That grace led him to, as a man, come and die on a cross. So that he could take his people's sins upon himself. That's the, the first wave of grace as we come to see that for ourselves for that first time. And what wonderful, amazing grace that is. And I do hope that first wave of grace has indeed hit us all. Jesus came not just to show us that he is gracious, but to give grace. We need to receive that grace, and we receive that grace by believing in him. But what next? What about once we are saved? Does God now just leave us alone? Well, no, he gives grace each and every day. Grace upon grace. Each and every day I fail to live as I should. Each and every day I still forget God and still live for myself. But yet there is grace for every single one of my failures. Grace upon grace, wave after wave. Jesus, the Word, he became flesh to show us God. What is Jesus like and therefore what is God like? Well, he is full of grace. And from his fullness of grace, he has given grace upon grace to all his people. This is the message of Christmas, that the word of God became flesh to be gracious to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for that astounding, wonderful, amazing grace. That though we don't deserve anything but your judgment. Jesus, so full of grace, came to show loving kindness to us. Father, please would we grasp hold of him and enjoy this grace more and more. Even today, over this Christmas Christmas day and on, please would we be thinking on him, in his name and for his glory. Amen.